listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Erin. I'm Bree. And I'm Rachel. We have a super fun episode with maybe one of our absolute favorite guests. Absolutely. Uh, this is the first time we've had a reoccurring guest. True. Yeah. So this is doubly exciting. Absolutely. And we know you love her as much as we do. This is a wild card episode. Bree, who do we have with us today? So today we have with us a very fine lady who joined us. When was it? Two years ago? How long have we been doing this? <laughs> yeah, it was, was it long, probably 18 least, months, almost two, two years. years ago. Pretty close. It was know. at least two years ago. Well, it might have been. Th- anyway. Neither here nor there. <laughs> a while she was, ago. She was with us to talk about the Rosa J. Young schools and her adjacency to that. And she is back with us today to talk about her own experiences February is Black History Month, as you know. And Mm -hmm. so I thought, what a great way to celebrate the pockets of diversity that we have in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, and have one of our notable guests back on the show to sort of talk about her life in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. So without further ado, I present to you Mrs. K. Wolf. Welcome to the show, Kay. Why, thank you very much. It's wonderful to be back with you guys. I just wish that uh, we were together so we could get a hug. Um, Yes. When I was in the station with that other broadcast, we had masks on. It was during just when you opened up right after COVID. Right. I forgot about that. So it was about two years ago. Yes, it was. (laughs) I have to pencil you in at the LWML convention. Just for a hug. Yeah, Yeah, just for a hug. Hugs with K-Wolf on the agenda. Definitely. (laughs) A long hug with K-Wolf. Absolutely. Could we maybe make a few bucks? And open yeah, it up. Open, open it up to everybody. Hugging booth. Hugging yes. booth. Love this so much. I'm about it. Bring oh your mic box. <laughs> well, I know I can get four dollars, right? <laughs> I love it. Oh man, LWML ladies are so good at like coming up with fun and engaging ways to raise money. <laughs> like, hashtag pie gauntlet. Hi, Gauntlet. Yes. <laughs> As I was saying, Kay, we wanted to talk a little bit about today your life uh, as as I understand it, as a, a girl growing up in the South, which also I don't feel like is a very like LCMS high volume area anyway. No. So no. can you kind of talk about what it was like growing up as as a black girl in the South? because that's probably got its own nuances too. Like, what was it like growing up there, but also being part of the church? Hmm. Okay. Well, back then, of course, I'm aging myself. There was segregation. Mm -hmm. And I think in order to know about the church as well, we have to know about about the segregation because it was part of what was going on in the church as well. So Mm -hmm. our family was, I would say, well known in Alabama, through Alabama, Rosebud, Alabama. I was baptized at Christ Lutheran Church where Rosa Young started the first Lutheran church down there with the help of the Lutheran Church Missouri Senate. And Dr. Niels Bakke was the one who came down to help get the church started. 
So my whole life was as a Black child in Alabama in the Lutheran church. So it went hand in hand. To me, there was no division, but there was things that went on that I knew about, some things that I saw, but most things did not affect me and my family. My grandmother had always said that there were people that God put here to do things, and her station was to raise her family. There were the other people like the the Rosa Parks that was supposed to make the wave of the civil rights movement and to uh, to have the, the bus boycott. But for my grandmother, it was to raise her family safely. The white folks in town called her Miss Rose. And there were some people who weren't called nearly as, as nice. Uh, mm. They were called out of their name rather than their name. Mm-hmm. I went into town one time with my grandfather, which my grandmother said, don't take that girl in town. And he took me into town, which was which was Camden. And I was I could read because grandma had, you know, you know, she had taught us how to read my mother, everybody. You know, I knew how to read a little bit for a five year old girl. But at any rate, first time I'd ever been in the little city county building. And I wanted some water and I went toward the water fountain and I was snatched up really quick by a sheriff who called me out of my name. And and so my grandmother said, she doesn't know how to read. She doesn't know how to read. It was a white water fountain. It clearly said white. You know, I'm like, white water fountain. Oh, the color of the water fountain is white, right? Um, But the, the colored water fountain was no more than a spigot, which was out on the side of the building. And it wasn't raised very high, so you really had to stoop in order to get you some drip, drip, drips of water. So anyway, that Mm -hmm. caused a problem between my grandmother and grandfather because she said, you shouldn't have brought that child into that world anyway. I told you not to bring her. And I was was just devastated that I had caused that, you know, uh, contention there between my grandparents and you know, kind of scared to death to be, you know, swooped up by <laughs> by a sheriff. No but kidding. Other than that, my life was was pretty was just pretty cool. You know, I made mud pies and put worms <laughs> on the top with my cousin Harvey and so fed the chickens and I didn't want to eat my chickens on Sunday. I wanted to eat <laughs> the chickens that you bought in the store. If Papa was very you know, you know I was um, <laughs> but then church every Sunday, every Sunday was church. And then there were sometimes there were meetings at church. We lived only about a mile from church and we could cut through the brushes and go over to church, which was Christ Lutheran Church. But there were many people who had to walk a good ways to church. And so we would always bring something to eat for those. And those coming would also bring, you know, a pail with some, you know, beans and cornbreads. And we ate good, too. I mean, you know, we we considered it eating good. It wasn't steak. It wasn't, you know, shrimp and lobster. But we got our fill off of the land and everything was cooked really good, really fattening. (laughs) You know, pound cakes, you know, sweet potato pies and 
apple pie, any kind of fruit pie and threw a little cheese on the top of it. And everything was just really, really good. So after church, you would sit around and socialize with everybody because a lot of people had to walk back home, which could have been a couple of hours away Mm -hmm. to get home. So you wanted to, you know, socialize. You didn't see them but maybe once a week. And some of those didn't get out to come to church on Sundays, but most people did. And, and uh, my grandmother passed away at 102. Oh, wow. And she missed church that couple of weeks before she passed away. And, and if she was visiting one of her children, wherever we were, we would be in church. You know, mm-hmm. I had always told my, my children, you know, if we're going on vacation or something, bring your church clothes because we're going to mm-hmm. church. And I had to tell my son one day when he, you know, pulls up and, you know, back in the day when everybody used to get dressed in a suit and a tie and a hat or whatever to go to church. And he's got, you know, whatever on. And I'm like, so where are your church clothes? He says, we're on vacation. Oh, uh-uh. uh, <laughs> this this is, is Sunday, isn't it? And he says, yeah. And so after I smacked him upside his head, just... <laughs> Gently, gently now, gently. Gently, um, of course. Gently. And I said, well, come on, because you're going that way and it's okay. So it was okay. (laughs) But a lot of times people think that the Black Lutheran Church, especially back in Alabama, Mississippi, uh, Louisiana, that it was a lot different than the white churches. Yeah, I was just going to ask about that. You know, I have been in awe of what Rosa Young and Pastor Maki and the, and the others accomplished in, in planting all those churches. And I've been very curious, what was it like in those churches, in those church communities? Like, what was the music like, the preaching, the liturgy? It, you know, can you fill in the details for us and help us sure. imagine it? Sure. Well, some of the pastors were the white German Lutheran missionaries t- that came down to, to preach. So, of course, we had the, the good law and gospel divided sermon because we learned from the white German Lutherans. We were like the white German Lutherans. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a time that some of the churches down there did not have the hymnal. We had not yet been gifted or been able to afford the Lutheran hymnal. So we sang Negro spirituals. Mm-hmm. When we did get the hymnal, it was hard to follow some of the hymns. So we stayed with the old standards, you know, my faith looks up to thee, what mm-hmm. a friend we mm-hmm. had in Jesus. And you would have had to hear Miss Gladys and Cousin Jency saying, what a friend we have <laughs> in Jesus. Because they led us because we didn't have a musician. We didn't have an organ, didn't have a piano. So we had our matriarchs of the family with the, with the most beautiful, loudest, making a joyful noise to the Lord. Songs, right? And when we did get the Lutheran hymn, we followed the liturgy. Mm-hmm. And there were quite a few uh, Black pastors who came out of Springfield. And they came out to the, the mission field in Alabama. And since they were taught, you know, you know, by the white Germans, because we were Lutherans, we followed. And people think sometimes that we didn't follow 
the liturgy and the Lutheran church. And we did. We mm-hmm. followed it we, as, as best we could. Some of the songs that maybe didn't come out in the right beat or tone because right. we didn't have the <laughs> pianos, but we still sang them and made that joyful noise to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think that that's a very important point to make, too, because I know as a white person myself, like, and not only being removed from like the time proximity of mm-hmm. it, like I was not, I was not alive during, during this time, but also like, I don't have a whole lot of exposure to a, a diverse number of people. A, a lot of my network for better or worse is very homogenous, mm-hmm. but to make the indication that the way that a church in the South that is predominantly has people of color in it is still doing the Lutheran liturgy and and singing out of the hymnal. I think that's a very important distinction to make because I think you're right. I think we kind of go about our days thinking about it and assuming that it's it has to be so different. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't sound like, at least in your experience, Kay, no. that that's what it is. And we were, we were Lutherans, mm-hmm. and that's all we wanted to be was Lutheran. We did not want to be labeled as mm-hmm. Black Lutherans or, you know, the coloreds. We were colored. My mm-hmm. birth certificate says that I was, I'm colored. And so we were, we were labeled, and again, we have to look at history, the history of the world, yeah, the history of the Lutheran Church, which is part of the world. And because there was segregation up until, you know, the mid-60s, yeah. we, the reason why we were in these Black churches and we were mission congregations, we weren't rostered members of the LCMS, you know, up until the, the 60s. Mm-hmm. And... You know, so we just wanted to be part of the Lutheran Church, and we were as much as we possibly could be. Mm-hmm. Sure. sure, yeah. I, in doing research into our synod's history, I was very blown away to realize that yes, as you say, 1967 was when the churches of the synodical conference were brought into their their respective districts as full member congregations, mm-hmm. and that seems so very, very recent. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a long way from 19, was it, was it 1916 when Rosa, Rosa Young was confirmed in the Lutheran Church between 19, yeah, 16 and 1967. It's a long time. It's a long time. I mean, I'm, I'm very glad that it happened at last, but I wish it could have happened sooner. <laughs> right, right. Mm-hmm. And we still have a long way to go between 1967 and 2023 as well. That's right. Yeah, yeah. absolutely agree. Some, some absolutely. things just remain the same. Yeah, that's true. Talking about that time period of the 60s and the civil rights movement and any sort of like social justice movements that were maybe that's kind of a that's a more contemporary term. So that's probably not called that back then. But like, did you ever find that there were like societal or culture like American history events like did those ever affect your church growing up if so how did that sort of manifest itself or was it did it did you feel like your church sort of cloistered you from that well in the 60s I was in in Detroit by then oh okay, the, okay. yeah I, yeah but I mean always back in 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 Alabama it was like uh we came up north to 
for the better education. So mm-hmm. we were told that up north was better, better job opportunity and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But then summers we were all we were always back in Alabama with grandma. So we went to St. Philip Lutheran Church in Detroit. And the congregation was made up 90% of people from Alabama. They were friends of, of my mom's, you know, down here, you know. I was like, oh, yeah, you know, the McCann's family is up here. And all the people who went to Alabama Lutheran Academy, they came up north for that better life, supposedly. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then there were those from Mississippi and Louisiana. So up in the Detroit area, there were all these, um, you know, all these folks from the south who, who came up. So you had the same thing. We were even eating chicken sandwiches after church on Sunday and having grits and bacon and eggs after the early service because that's what we were accustomed to in the South was fellowship and feeding each other after we were fed with the gospel. Mm-hmm. So we we still did that. So, but in Detroit, there were the riots here. Uh, mm-hmm. We stayed close to our church family. We were very much supported, you know, together as a church family. We tried not to get involved with the things that were going on in the secular world. We really, you know, you try hard, but your sinful nature says, you know, mm-hmm. let me go out and do a little bit of this, do a little that, knowing that, you know, you shouldn't do it. Just wait and trust in the Lord. But again, our sinful nature tells us, you know, get involved in 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 some rioting act, some you know, I need some respect and somebody's going to show me that respect and they're going to give it to me now. So some of that was going on, going on around. But then everybody showed up in church on Sunday and all of those tempers were were calmed down and just, oh, I just remember like hugging and crying and praying and just, you know, just just praying to to wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord. Mm. Good advice for always. Absolutely. Now, you ma- when what about was it that you your family moved from Alabama to Detroit, and and you said you came up for education and employment opportunities? Did you find what you were looking for? Yeah, I went to I went to Lutheran school, parochial school, when we came up here. But you know, with three kids, and only lasted so long. You know, you you got uh, and my dad started working at Ford Motor Company. So there were good benefits, you know, so we had good benefits, but we didn't stay in in the Lutheran school for the entire time because it just got to be too much, too much of an expense. Mm-hmm. But again, just like with our our white German sisters and brothers in the Lutheran church, our parents wanted us to go to Lutheran school. There were mm-hmm. so many black parents who sacrificed for their children to go to the Lutheran school because we were and are Lutherans. Mm -hmm. And I remember another family that she had three boys and um, they even had some fundraisers and things because she wanted to send her kids all the way through. And they graduated from Lutheran High. I didn't get to the high school, but they a lot of them graduated from Lutheran High. And we also had Lutheran High West was mm-hmm. predominantly black. It was in the center of Detroit. And this was a little bit of the different kind of twist. It was the people from the suburbs 
who came into the city of Detroit to go to the Lutheran High School. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah, but now listen to this. You don't hear that happening anymore, sure. Yeah, yeah, and you know what? And when people realized that that was happening and said that, I mean, it was for years. I don't know how long West was open, but West was, I would say, two-thirds Black and one-third White because the people in, in the city of Detroit, the Black Lutherans, had an opportunity to just take the bus and get to get to school. And um, the white folks in the suburbs had to carpool maybe a half an hour or so mm-hmm. to get in. So then, and I can't tell you what year it was, they wanted to close down West and move it out into the suburbs. And that was a very controversial time where feathers were ruffled, people were at each other because they were saying that they were moving the high school away from the Black people and moving it out to the white people to make it more convenient for the white people. And the Black people who could barely afford to pay to go there would now have to find ways to go 30 minutes away to go to school. Since then, West has closed down. We have Lutheran High North. We've got Northwest and something. I think three Lutheran High Schools close by. Westland. Westland. Yes. Mm, Yeah. That's where I graduated from. (laughs) Nice. So let's, let's, I really, I'm so glad that you've taken the time that you've taken already to sort of talk about your life growing up in the church, but like, can we, can we talk a little bit about what life is like now, now that you, you are, are older and you're a pastor's wife and you are involved with LWML like so deeply, what does church life look like for you now? And is it different? How is it different? How is it similar? Not necessarily better. I don't want to, I don't want (laughs) to make that suggestion, but like, how is it different? How do you find unity across all of these experiences? Well, I um, got to tell you a quick story. Yeah. So I was at an LWML event somewhere and I love LWML and I will go wherever and whenever I can and hang out with my LWML sisters. And we were having fun. And I think I was a speaker there doing something and a woman came up to me and it was somewhere where there weren't a lot of black people, but there were some in the community. And this one woman came to me and said, oh, you know, you are so energetic. I would love to have you come and, you know, live in our community and help us out here. And to have your husband come, would would he be up for a call? Because we need some, we need some Black people in the community. Do you think he'd be up for a call? And I said, oh, no. you know, he, he might be, I said, but he won't be any help to you because he's not Black. <laughs> I knew that's where this was going. <laughs> I was going to ask that as a follow-up question, because I knew that about you, but I was wondering about your story. How did you meet your husband? And, you know, what was what was your relationship like? I'm I'm guessing it was. Well, I just want to know it the was, story because I bet there's a story lovely. there. It was lovely. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> well, he went to uh, to Lutheran High West and uh, but we didn't meet there. I was a wannabe musician. I still want to be able to play the piano and the organ. <laughs> I know what you mean. I will be a you wannabe musician till the day I die. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know how to play 
organ? What? You know, I have an organ and a piano in my living room. And and it's sad. It's shameless oh. to say. But anyway. No, it's so sad. No, yes, it is because I can't play one of them good. Keep the dream alive. So, um, so I was in this community choir here in Detroit, Lutheran Community Choir, and we met at the church where he was pastor. But we met on Monday, Mondays, and he was off on Mondays. I never knew who he was and really didn't care. And <laughs> so one of the women asked me if I would play the organ for them on Sundays because they didn't have an organist. And I said, girl, I play so bad until you wouldn't want me to play. And she says, well, would you at least play the liturgy? And I said, oh, I can do page five and 15 pretty yeah. good. You know, I'm <laughs> you. That's, that's my that's my junk right there. That's my jam. <laughs> and uh, but I still was hesitant. So a little bit later, I said, OK, I'll do it. Let me meet your pastor. So I came in and I said, hi, I'm Kay Dumas. And he said to me, I know who you are. And I thought to myself, how rude, you know, this is. And I said, I will come and play for you. I said, but I don't play very well. But thankfully, I know most of your congregation and they're very forgiving. (laughs) And I gave him a list of songs that I could play with minimal errors. And I said, pick from this list and let me know and I can practice. Well, he called me and he gave me a list of songs. And I'm like, well, Pastor Wolf, none of these songs were on my list. <laughs> and he said, well, you have a week to practice. <laughs> and I, I like put my hand on my hip and I said up underneath my breath, now you are pushing it, you know. <laughs> um, you don't know what I have to do this week that I'm going to practice, you know. So I'm like, okay, Pastor Wolf, I'll see what I can do. So when I got home, I said, well, this is how I learned page five and page 15, right? I practiced. So I practiced the songs. And then on that Sunday, I went to church and I played. I didn't do too bad. His congregation, like I said, was very forgiving and loving. And they told me I did well. And I'm like, yep, go home and ask for forgiveness for telling that tale. <laughs> <laughs> Commandment. But yeah, and then again, Black Ministry. I was at the time on the, what were we called, National Mission Affiliates. And I was chairing the Black Ministry Task Force. And that's when we used to have these pre-conferences before we had the convocation and we would have mm-hmm. various things. Anyway, long story short there, I invited him to come. His congregation was what I called old white folks, well, old black folks and older white folks, because what had happened in that community where it was all white and when the blacks started moving in, the whites moved to the suburbs. Mm -hmm. But yet they drove 30, 40 minutes into Detroit because that was, quote unquote, their church. Mm -hmm. So they thought that Pastor Wolf did not have sensitivity to black people because he was he's he's rude and arrogant. I mean, what can I say? He's German and Slovak. So that's just, he, he was there to preach Christ and him crucified. He was not a hugger. He was, he just, he was like, 
I'm taking care of business for the Lord. And, and so they saw that he was just insensitive to black people. So they asked me if I would take him to one of the black ministry <laughs> events. Oh, they no. really did, seriously. <laughs> This is a whole movie. Like this is a whole saga. Like I'm writing the movie script in my head right now. I mean, seriously, they asked me would I take him and give him some uh, some black sensitizing or what you know. And so, so we went to. uh, It was in New Orleans that year, and he was in the in the pre conference. He was there for convocation. He asked if he could take me out to lunch. And I went out to lunch and then he asked me if when we got back home, if he could see me. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Well, I thought he was, was kind of cute, you know, and he had on <laughs> shorts when we were in um, in New Orleans. And pastors and, wear <laughs> shorts? What? And on shorts and a, cap, a baseball cap. And, wow. um, and I'm, and I'm like, oh, you know, I'm not doing nothing else. And then, so getting to the end of this story, I started liking the dude, you know? <laughs> and I was looking forward for his phone calls to tell me what songs he wanted me to practice oh, for the week and yes. everything. And then, I don't know, it just kind of happened. I, yeah, looked at him one day and it's like, nah, he ain't hard to look at. And, oh, um, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and it's like, he's not, he's really not all that arrogant and rude. And then I'm like, well, yeah, he is. But it's the kind that you can just love, you know? Once you penetrate that. <laughs> and But but I got to tell you guys this. The Lord put us together. I still haven't yes. figured out why yet. I know it was the Lord because I would not have picked him out of a lineup. Mm. But know. he knew who you were. He said he had seen me sing in the choir before, and I asked why didn't he, you know, I didn't know that he even got out. He didn't get out as much as some of the other pastors. And so I said, well, why didn't you say something to me before? And he said that he would not have been ready for me before. Like, I don't know what that means, but, but, and the rest is, is, um, the rest is history. When he asked me to marry him, I think I, I, I might have died for a few minutes. I wasn't breathing. Yes. I know that, you know, I just, I couldn't breathe. And then when I was able to breathe, I told him yes. And then he left. And then the next, well, later on that night, I started hyperventilating. Like, what did you just do? <laughs> yep. Been you there, know, done that. You know, you, you, you're going to marry a, a pastor. I mean, I was the church lady, so. You know, it, it just seemed to be fitting that I would marry the pastor. But and I got married in a gagra. It is an Indian dress. Oh, I'll have to show you pictures one day. Yes. Yeah. I'd love to see that. Yeah, it was it was really nice. And I'm I'm living pretty much happily ever after. That's awesome. <laughs> Except for when he doesn't do the dishes after I've come home from a something right now. But yeah. 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 So the church that he is over that you attend, is it a predominantly white congregation? So he is the assistant pastor at Emmanuel Luther Church in Dearborn. He doesn't have a lot of pulpit responsibility right now, so he's doing mostly supply work. But I am the only person of color in our congregation. Oh, I'm wow, okay. and I'm I'm very comfortable there. See but 
that's what people need to look at. You can't pick and choose your sin, you know, and you have to, when we say our prayers at night and when we say our father, you know, so like Brie, that's why you and I are sisters because (laughs) our father, and if we believe that, then we have to live that. Mm-hmm. And so I'm comfortable there. I'm pretty much comfortable wherever I go. I will make somebody else comfortable who is uncomfortable with me because that's just who I am and who I strive to be is, you know, I have jumped out of a corridor in front of somebody and said, ooh, somebody who, who you know, didn't talk to me for years, just walked past me and didn't even look me in the eye. And then mm-hmm. after I said, boops, we talk all the time now. So, I, yeah, I'm very comfortable there. But before I married him, I was at an all-Black congregation. Mm-hmm. And we had white pastors forever because there weren't as many Black pastors as there were Black congregations. We had a, a white pastor, and he preached. He preached, and we enjoyed, and we loved him. Mm-hmm. And then... We wanted a a black pastor and we got a black pastor and the first black pastor we got for, I don't know what the reason was that the congregation, you wanted something. And when you got in, you realize he wasn't what, what you thought he was going to be or whatever have you. And that Mm -hmm. pastor did not stay there long. And then we got another black pastor who was wonderful, but he died of a heart attack. But I think he was there with us for maybe 10 or so years. And then we got another white pastor and he was wonderful. We accepted him and his wife with open arms. They were the only white people in the congregation at that time. But we were all sisters and brothers in Christ. He was our shepherd and we respected and loved him and he respected and loved us. You know, again, Lutherans, Mm -hmm. just just a, a, a congregation of LCMS Lutherans. Now, I have been in some of our congregations in the South that still worship down there. And if you say LCMS, they may not know what LCMS is, but they just know that they are Lutherans. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, they will know, however, that they are the ones that don't ordain women and that they are the <laughs> ones that want these babies to be born. You know, mm-hmm. that's... that's how they identify with, you know, the other ones. That's probably a more meaningful description than LCMS, honestly. Yeah, (laughs) true. Mm -hmm. I've had to explain to people, no, we aren't all from Missouri. Some of us have never been to Missouri. (laughs) The show me state? The show Show me state. Who came up with that? I don't know. I don't know. And and, and, um, it's pronounced Missouri. Uh, Oh. Okay. From this, it's Missouri. Missouri. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it depends on where you are, but yes, it is yeah. in many places pronounced Missouri. <laughs> true. You're, in, you're in Alabama, it's Missouri. That's, that is mm-hmm. very true. <laughs> Speaking of different denominational labels, mm-hmm. I did have a question, and you, I think you've sort of touched on this already in a couple of different ways, but I was doing some research on like, you know, people refer to the quote unquote, the black church, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what is that? What does that mean? Is it? a church with black people in it? Like, what is it? So 
by definition, there are like five to seven denominations that are predominantly part of this coalition unofficially called Mm. the Black Church. The LCMS is not one of those denominations, perhaps unsurprisingly. But that being said, do you feel that your hold on? I got to I have to ask this right. Mm. Do you believe by virtue of being a black woman that that has somehow influenced your faith and how you view Lutheranism? Mm. That's a hard question. Actually, can I ask a question that you can decide if you want to answer it before or after that one? (laughs) I'm also curious with the whole black church. Do you view yourself as part of the black church? Is that like a subculture that you are part of by virtue of being a black Christian in America? Or is that a separate subculture? I don't know. I'm I'm curious about that as well. But you can decide which question you want to tackle first. Well, I don't even remember who asked the other question now. But no, I, and I think if I can answer, let me just say what's on my mind, and then you can see if yeah, I answer please. it. You can ask again. I am an LCMS Lutheran. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I don't even know what. I, I know there's things out there about the Black Church, and I think when I think of the Black Church, I, I don't know Southern Baptist AME. Mm-hmm. When I think of church, I think of the, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, and I don't think of it, even though I know that there is black, there is white, mm-hmm. I think of it as a child of, of God. Now, yeah. there are times that I do, you know, sometimes think, you know, when I'm in visiting or I'm going out somewhere, I go to a church and because just because there are more white folks in the world than there are black folks or there are more white LCMS congregations than there are black. So I end up going to a white congregation in Mississippi. I had to drive an hour and a half to find one in West Virginia, but I drove and found it. And mm-hmm. going into these churches and they're predominantly white or they are white. And they look at me like, did you stumble into the wrong church? Mm. And I have had somebody say to me, may I help you rather than good morning. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so when I say to them that I am a member, given my church in good standing where my husband is the assistant pastor, even had on an LWML badge one day. And I, I was, I was more or less integrated in, what do you call that word? Interrogated. <laughs> interrogated. Thank you. Interrogated by three people before they finally let me talk to the pastor so that I could ask the pastor if I could share with them in the Lord's Supper. And by then, I was, I was exhausted. Yes. And so if there is a divide, it's because... I, I, it's just because of sin and people yeah. ignoring their sin, choosing what they want to be sinful and not to be sinful, and for them to just be haters on people and things that they really don't know anything of and they really should learn. And one of the things about, so I guess in answer to your question, no, I don't look at myself as part of the Black church. I look at myself as a member of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod who 
just loves worshiping with all of, of, of God's faithful children. And yeah. Let me ask my question in a different way. And I feel like this is going to be the more interesting answer that I'm more interested in, actually. So I was wondering how being a black woman influences how you look at Lutheranism. But I think what I really want to know is how does your how does your faith, how does your ascription to Lutheran doctrine, like how does all of that, that whole upbringing, like if you think about that in comparison to like some of the secular stuff that you might see on social media or a think piece or an opinion editorial article, like how has your upbringing, your Lutheran upbringing influenced the way that you look at secular current event, like hot button type Mm. issues as they pertain to racial issues. Mm. Hmm. So the upbringing again in the Lutheran church with our sound doctrine, our high percentage of faithful pastors. Mm -hmm. And And I say that because I've been when I used to work with Lutheran Hour, I, I went to 20 different churches in one year. And mm. I tell you, I came out and called my husband and said, be ready to give me your sermon when I get home because I need church. And he said, then you go to church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and I had to answer, uh, nope. Or I'd oh, say like, God. you know, it, it had Lutheran on the door, but but that was it. So, but... I try and stay focused on Christ and the doctrine. And I tell you, my sinful nature will sometimes drag me into a hissy fit about something. Mm-hmm. You know, how could you not see that? You know, or how could you believe that? Or, you know, how could you not believe that? You know, and then I have to calm myself down in prayer. Mm-hmm. I have talked to my husband who is not my pastor, I consider, you know, sometimes no, I might have to make that call to my friend in Missouri, my friend in Texas, my pastor friend. And, and I have to be comforted and quieted down with the help of the Lord. And the Lord has put with us people, our pastors, some of our dear friends, you know, my four sisters here, you know, on on the Lutheran Ladies Lounge. <laughs> if I need you, I will call you. Please and do. I, <laughs> and I want you to know that if you need me, you call me also. Mm-hmm. But yes, I will. I will sometimes turn the news off for yeah, a, a, a week or two weeks at a time because I can get emotional, especially going to bed at night next to my loving husband who is white when they've had some sort of something going on that just kind of ruffles my feathers. And then I just have to just look to the Lord for peace and comfort and the people that the Lord has sent to me in in sisters and brothers in Christ to help me through this. So being part of the Lutheran church, there are so many wonderful people in Oh, I got some folks in LWML that I can call, you know, at a moment's notice, day, night, and whatever have you. And they go, okay. So, yes, we lean on each other, looking toward the Lord 
and the people that he's given us to to help comfort us and uh, and support us. You are such a wonderful example to all of us. Can I just say this? Yes, yeah. please do. <laughs> I think it is so easy for us to get bogged down in social media and read all the news and get sucked into Twitter yeah. and all of these things. And, poison. And I have to like, I'm going to have a new mantra of like, what would Kay do? Oh, yes. <laughs> Kay would turn off the news and pray. <laughs> turn it off and 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 stay off of Facebook. Give yourself a break. Uh, yeah. If you see something that's going to raise your blood pressure or is going to test, you know, test your face by, you know, do I cuss this person out or do I not? You know, <laughs> don't, mm-hmm. the answer is almost always don't do it. Don't do it. For you to even consider it, you know, yeah. Yeah. you just need to just, you know what? This is something that I don't need in my life. All I need mm-hmm. is Jesus. Give me Jesus. Amen. And have all this world. Just give me Jesus. Oh. <laughs> That's something else you may hear in some of the the uh, the churches in the south. Um, mm-hmm. You might hear a little shout every now and then. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> no, okay, yes, like or preach, preacher. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You may hear a little bit of that, but you know, do you ever do that? I was because I really wanted to ask do you. That. Do you ever do that? Okay. Oh, you asking me? Yeah. Are you, are you, do you know who I live with? I can't. <laughs> The answer to that would be no. <laughs> now, when I go home without him, home being in Alabama, I no, I, I don't even do it. That I get my joy. Now, look at it like this coming from communion and I've got my hands folded and I'm praying as I'm going, thanking the Lord, even before I get to the pew to say, you know, my prayer after receiving. Sometimes I feel so good. It's like I want to leave there skipping and jumping, you know, like, oh, thank you, Lord, because you have fed me. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you're unworthy, you unworthy me, you know, with your life giving body and blood. And I mean, I'm happy. Yep. Let's normalize the uh, skipping and jumping. And yes. Uh, can I'm we also, I mean, skipping and jumping is great. Can we also normalize coming back from communion with tears on your face? Because I do that too. Yes, tears. Uh, Wait, don't, can't even get up from the rail without crying. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yep. for sure. <laughs> for sure. And even the prayer before going, you know, sometimes that, that tears me up a little bit, you know, just the goodness. Mm. When mm-hmm. I think about the goodness. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah, we definitely got to do those hugs when we get to uh, yeah, Milwaukee. Gosh, I know. Bring the Kleenex. That's right. I'm going to circle back to something you said early on in the interview, and you probably forgot you said it, but <laughs> you were talking about how we were talking about how things have come such a long way in the Lutheran church from where they were in your during your childhood. Could you talk a little bit more about that? What do you see as some of the big changes in the Lutheran Church in your lifetime, and are there other changes that you hope and pray will come to pass? Wow, I don't even remember. Oh, I, you know what I said the what has happened between the nineteen sixteen and the the nineteen sixty seven. But when you look at from nineteen sixty seven to to twenty twenty three, things changed, and then things regressed some. So mm-hmm. after 
when we had um, desegregation and the Negro or Black person, as we're called now, were allowed to go into various establishments that they were not able to go into before, including the churches. There were still churches that did not want the Black people to come and worship with them. So you get comfortable sometimes with the way things are or mm-hmm. the way things were, and you just stick with it. So the Black people kept uh, worshiping at Black churches and the white people kept, you know, nobody jumped ship. And then every now and then you would see somebody in the uh, Black community move into the white community and go to, to the church. In a lot of cases, they were very much welcomed. And in some cases, you know, some of my Black friends would say, oh, no, I just, I go and then I, I go to church and then I come home because there's, you know, nobody has reached out to me. I guess I haven't reached mm-hmm. out to anybody either and whatever have you. So I just go to hear the word of the Lord and come home. Now, sometimes that's not a bad thing, especially if you're going to get involved in some stuff that you shouldn't be getting involved in or issue, you know, stay away from it. I remember when I used to go to church and sing in the choir and come home, you know, where they say ignorance is bliss. And then I got involved with a Senate board. Oh, Senate mercy. Oh, <laughs> and then the veil was lifted. <laughs> Dang it. You can't unlearn those things. And it's like, and it's like what have I done? You know, or I didn't realize that stuff was going on like this. So over the years, let's go 67 to now. Mm -hmm. In writing, the Lutheran Church has said we have to embrace our Black brothers and sisters. We have to open our doors to them. We have to stop racism. We have to. So all of this is in writing. But in action, I have not seen a lot of action. And I say that because it's been 15 years now, at least, when my husband was asked to be vacancy pastor at a congregation in Detroit, and they were all excited about having him come. And then they found out that he was married to a Black woman, and they did not want him. And so I asked the district, And my husband said, well, you know what? There was something wrong there in the first place. And he said, it's okay. And I said, well, no, it's not okay. I I need to know, right? So here I go. I'm on the phone. I call the district office and they say, oh, you you hadn't heard? Oh, yeah, that church said that they'd rather close their doors than to allow people of color to worship there. And I said, you've got to be kidding. She said, oh, yeah, I thought everybody knew that. And I said, well, the important part is you knew it and then what did you do about it oh well okay you know churches are autonomous so you know even though it's not right they can they can do that they can choose who they want to worship and I said well that is just so wrong so then shortly after I'm in um, Missouri at the IC and I asked at the time it was the first vice president of the president at the time. And I'm like, you know, and I gave him the situation and he said, well, okay, you know, churches are autonomous. I said, well, the next person who tells me that I'm going to scream. And I said, let me get three out of, you know, and I ended up screaming. I did. I ended up screaming. I asked one more person. So here, and here's what I said. 
until you call these people to repentance or mm. even remove them from the roster of the LCMS, you're not doing me any good as a person of color who wants to go worship with our supposedly, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ. And you're not doing them any good for allowing them to remain in that sin without calling them to repentance. And I said, it, it needs to change. And he said, we cannot remove them. He said, it would take convention. It would take an act of whatever resolution at convention before we could remove somebody for that. And he said, it would never happen. And that's exactly what he said, it would never happen. And I said that shame on you, shame on the Lutheran Church and the very Senate. And that church ended up closing. And the part that gave me a little bit of a chuckle was the two people who wanted to buy it were the, the Hispanic Lutherans or the Black Panthers. <laughs> And it went, it went for a very low price to the Hispanic Lutheran. So I was, I was glad of that. You know, one of the, the two in that area, and that's who was in that area, and of the two cultures that they did not want worshiping with them, those were the ones that wanted to buy their building. And the building it was paid for. The people were coming in from the suburbs into, quote unquote, their church where, you know, their parents had been buried from there. They had been married and, and they wanted it for their little, you know, their little clique of yeah. people and not wanting to welcome anybody else in. Uh, that that story makes me very sad on the inside. Yeah. Especially yeah. as I hear you give, you know, tell your story in such a way that makes me aspire to be the kind of Lutheran that you are. Yes. Mm -hmm. Someone who understands the theology, but also seeks to live the theology. And I think to myself, how could any church Look at someone like you and say, eh, you don't want you here. But that's the thing. They didn't even know me. Yeah. They just yeah. knew that I was a black woman. And that's the part that, that hurts is like, you don't, this particular thing didn't hurt me them. It hurt me that the Senate knew and the district knew. Yeah. And they yeah. just, you know, yeah. but people... They just assume rather than get to know someone for mm -hmm. who they are as a person. Now, I'm, I'm black. I don't like everybody black. And that's because yeah. I don't know everybody black. Right. You know? <laughs> but I love because Christ first loved me. So mm -hmm. I'm going to go into the situation or the event or the whatever it is with love in my heart. Now, I might come out with a different impressions <laughs> and then I'm going to pray on that. And then what I'll do is I'll just remove myself from that situation. So let me leave yes. it, leave it to the Lord in prayer because I'm mm -hmm. not going to deal with it. Right. Yep. And then there are, there are white folks. I love all of them. I don't know all of them. I may not like all of them, you know, That's but okay. I don't black. either. You know, I don't either. That's true. <laughs> let me tell you, I had a problem with my brother, you know, my old mother's child. I didn't like him. <laughs> we had some problems. Then near the end, I just loved him to death. But yeah, you, you have to, or we should give everybody a chance just based on the Our Father. My goodness. Yeah. Goodness. Oh. Yes. I, I mean, every time I say my prayers, it's like Our Father. And I think of so many people in my mind, you know. 
that are related to me. Not that you're going to get a Christmas present now, <laughs> but you are related to me. Mm-hmm. And, and, and just, just it's like people count sheep or what sheep or whatever have you. And it's like, I'm the our father who art in heaven. And then I'm, I, I've got people in my mind and people that are, that are just relatives to me that are not biological relatives. But, but when we look at it, we are. I mean, how many times removed from, you know, Adam and Eve? Mm-hmm. People, we say things that we don't believe. We have to start believing what we say we believe when we confess, you know, when we confess our sins, when we say the creed, we say our prayers. And and most of the time we don't believe it. And sometimes, you know, don't strive to be like me. I lapse sometimes, but I'm always like, you know, that hopefully just a momentary lapse of good judgment. But then I'm, I'm praying, I'm praying big time. Lord, forgive me. You know, Lord, mm-hmm. renew me. I think we can yeah. pray that same prayer for our church. Yeah. Lord, forgive us. Yes. Lord, renew us. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I, I pray the Our Father every day, but I think I'll put more emphasis on the hour sometimes yes. <laughs> yes. to remind it's not my father. It's not me and my buddy's father. It's yeah. our father. Yeah. That it is. Everyone, everyone for whom Jesus is Lord. Mm-hmm. Oh, and one other thing about like um, what's going on between sixties. Well, I'll put I'll put down desegregation and mm-hmm. um, and now one thing that's that started. I know the Black Clergy Caucus met about two weeks ago, I think, in in Jacksonville, Florida, and I know that the people have asked, you know, well, why do the Black clergies have to meet? How come? Or why do you have to be called Black Lutherans? Or why are you Lutherans in Black ministry? Well, as I had said in the beginning, we just wanted to be Lutheran. And I just tell people, I'm a Missouri said it, Lutheran. We were labeled Black by the churches or the Senate because we were a Black mission congregation. And then we became, you know, a rostered churches in the LCMS. But at the time when you had the... The, uh, the segregation, the white pastors could do their thing. The black pastors had to do their thing separate. And as I said, once you get used to doing something, sometimes you just hold on to it. And the Black Clergy Caucus today had probably just as many white folks in their in their caucus meeting as they did black clergy. Because, uh-huh. when, oh, yeah, they had some of the guys from Fort Wayne, and from seminary and the seminary of St. Louis was there from, from Lutheran Hour. Oh. Uh, Dave was there. Yeah, Lutheran Hour was oh. there as well. And so what they're trying to do is is to help out on the, the uh, set apart to serve in doing recruitment for for the ministry, black men, and not just black men, because the clergy caucus is working with black and ethnic ministry. So they've always invited their Hispanic brothers, the African immigrant brothers, and and you guys plan on coming to the multi ethnic symposium on the campus of St. Louis Seminary, May second okay. and third. Okay. Because the, the caucus was also trying to to build a bridge between the you know the white clergy and the and the black clergy, but they're staying together as the black clergy caucus 
sort of as a as a comfort zone, I guess, as well. Mm-hmm. They started yeah. off that way and they're continuing as brothers in Christ, strengthening each other, still remembering some of the struggles that they went through to get to where they are. Being in the seminary wasn't easy because they weren't welcomed. Learning was a little bit harder because they weren't welcomed. So you had to you know, do your studies as well as you had to pray that the the confrontations that would happen with some of the professors, not just the students. Mm-hmm. So it's it's one of those things that, you know, it, it happened out of necessity because you couldn't be with the white pastor. So you got yourself together as the black pastors. And now you're comfortable meeting together as the black pastors, but you're also including you know, all of your other brothers and sisters from other cultures, there were also, I don't know, I would have been there when I got sick at the last minute. And <laughs> yeah, it was, I could have been down in Florida, like what, 75 degree temperature. So, and education about, you know, Gosh, what was some of the stuff they were doing? And, you know, how to how to protect yourself from the various this, that's and the others that could present itself in a congregation or in a situation and this, that and the other. So so they have various speakers come in and speak. And, and it's, it's not against anybody. It's for everybody is really what mm-hmm. goes on in those mm-hmm. meetings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up the Black Clergy Caucus. I want to end on an encouraging note. Mm. And I think, per my own observation, the Lutheran Church, the people who make up the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, I'm not going to say the LCMS as an entity, but the people who make it up, like much of the rest of the United States, I think there tends to be some divide when it comes to issues of race. I mean, we see this in our church body. We may have people who question the validity of the Black Clergy Caucus and why does it need to exist and and so on and so forth. But then you also have groups that are like their mission is to advocate for racial justice through a Lutheran lens. And I'm, you know, I'm not here to to say for or against any of those groups, whatever they're philosophical leanings are but there are divides like we we see that in our church because i mean racism is a sin problem and the synod is made up of people who are sinners so that's just that's what the territory comes with but what sort of encouragement would you give to people who are sort of like world weary about racism and the divides and as as a woman of color what sort of encouragement would you give to people that really don't feel like that divide is ever going to fully close until Jesus comes back, of course? <laughs> come, Lord Jesus, come. That's right. Mm. Amen. And they're, like you said, there's sin in the world, all of us. Mm-hmm. And until we admit our sin, and it's just like I can't blame the sin itself for not doing more because it's not the Senate, it's the people. Mm-hmm. It's in each of us. And it's not even an entire congregation. I mean, it's got to start with with each of us. And then we have to talk. We have to have those uncomfortable, hard conversations, which are 
the gospel. It doesn't yes. have to, it, it's not the conversations of the secular world. It's if we just follow Jesus' commands, if we just believe what we teach and what we confess, if we just do that, and then that's going to trickle up and trickle down and make things a little bit better until Jesus comes. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's right. Help my unbelief so bad, please. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the the divide, um, it's been there. It got better. And then I think it got it got worse again. Don't know, you know, exactly when and and why, but it's it's us sinful beings that need to to get our act together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we need to to walk that straight and narrow. And it, it's going to that's going to be uncomfortable enough just mm-hmm. trying yes. to 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 stay focused on Christ and keep each other focused in Christ, whereas we won't have to go outside into the secular world to get involved in all of this. Just within, mm-hmm. you know, within our conflict and with like what Paul said, when he wants to do right, he does wrong and whatever, you know, mm-hmm. I want to do right. If we stay focused on that. That's going to, I think, take us in the right direction and keep us away from all of the secular conversations of of racism and whatever stuff, whatever other stuff is going on out there in the world. Stay focused on Christ. We've mm-hmm. got, you know, we've got, like I said, those are going to be uncomfortable conversations. Just talking about Jesus, somebody's yes. going to say, well. But you know, it's, yeah, you know, but um, <laughs> but I tell you, it that's where we need to be. Yes, mm-hmm. I needed mm-hmm. to hear that today. I need to hear that every day, but okay. today for yep. sure, of all days. Yes, Kay, I love you so much. Thank Same. you for being yeah. on this show. Today. Love you too. Love you mm. all. We're gonna hug so mm. hard in Milwaukee. It's true. Okay, um, bring some barbecue ribs and beer. We'll do. I'll keep we'll going. Do that that sounds right. pretty good. <laughs> but are you a Bogarts lady? Like, what do you like? I'm wearing yeah. all the barbecues. The the barbecue or the beer? <laughs> <laughs> I think we should get the beer when we're there because Milwaukee's pretty good at that. That's yeah. true. That's what, I mean. oh, That's what I've heard. Oh, it's some cheese. Mm, cheese mm-hmm. castle. Mm-hmm. Yes. Cross the border. Yes. It's right there. So, Sarah, I know this is usually your thing, but I think we should explicitly take this moment to invite all of our listeners to connect with the LWML convention that's coming up this summer where you can meet all four of us and Mrs. K. Wolf. Yeah! And that if you've never been to an LWML convention, they are apparently a really good time. Um, And we would love to see you there. And I guess there will be hugs and beer and barbecue, maybe. (laughs) And maybe a pie gauntlet. Who knows? Pie gauntlet. And that has not been speak it into existence. That has yeah. not been nixed yet. So, and I will tell you, exactly. the LWML convention is a whole lot better than the synodical convention. It really oh, is. I mean, exponential, <laughs> exponentially. I can't wait. Oh my word! There will never, there would never be a pie gauntlet at a synodical convention. Uh, Although un- it unlikely. could use it more, probably more right. than the LWML. Definitely, <laughs> but. 
whatever. Yeah. They'll do it their way. It's fine. Oh, I can't <laughs> wait to hang out with all of you. Just a little, yeah. little foretaste of heaven, I think. Amen <laughs> to that. That's true. Okay, thank you so much for joining us today. This Thanks. has been a really wonderful, hard, but wonderful conversation. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm so thankful for you for sharing your story. I've known you for a very long time. You remember at my parents' church, your husband is my ah, parents' pastor. So yeah. we go way back. But, you know, I've never asked you these questions before. So I'm glad I just got to sit here and listen to you share your story today. That was really wonderful. I enjoyed being here. I always enjoy hanging out with you gals. Ladies, if you would like to continue this conversation, join us in our Facebook group. We'd love to hear what you have to say. We're also on Instagram. You can follow us there at Lutheran Ladies Lounge. If you'd like to sign up for our e-newsletter, you can do that in the show notes for this episode, or you can send an email to lutheranladies at kfuo.org and we'll get you signed up for that e-newsletter. You can find all of our podcasts at kfuo.org slash lutheranladieslounge or on your favorite podcasting app or on the KFUO radio app. You're listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast. I'm Sarah. I am Erin. <laughs> I am going to hug Kay Wolf so hard <laughs> in about four months. <laughs> Just you wait, baby. Joking. <laughs> and I'm Rachel. <laughs> and I'm Kay Wolf. Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> Views and opinions expressed on the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO Radio, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. The Lutheran Ladies Lounge is produced by KFUO Radio and available at kfuo.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and leave a review for us, too. If you love the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast, consider financially supporting our producer, KFUO Radio, so we can keep doing what we do. Find out how at kfuo.org slash give. You know, I, I feel a song coming on. My, I lost my voice. You can stop recording. or I was, If you stop recording, then we won't be on. All right, you just edit it out. In the morning when I rise, in the morning when I rise, in the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Yes. You can have love this world. Give me Jesus. Oh my gosh. Thank you. I'm going to have that stuck in my head for the next three days, and I'm not unhappy about that. I would not be mad at that at all. Nice. All right. Y'all be good. Go get some dinner. All right. Bye, Kay. Bye, Kay. Till next time.